Good morning. Does it make you feel like you want to dance? <laughs> Me too, but I'll save you the uh, horror. Um, <laughs> Pastor Rob, welcome to our 1030 service. Welcome also to those of you in the gym. Glad that you are here on this gorgeous uh, June morning as we begin a new series, Not or Too Busy Not To. You know, we live in a society, I think uh, I would get full agreement on here in this room, uh, sort of a 24-7 multitask society. Uh, all the more, you know, even in the last uh, handful of years. We, we as a people, maybe not every last person in this room, but we know we want more, we have more, we eat more, we drink more, uh, you know, all the of the above. But in all this getting, something very uh, important is lost, namely the quality of life that God offers us. I think that we are not only uh, wasting our time, me too, on things that don't really matter, but we're paying a high price for it. It's my premise over these weeks. So the series I want to begin this morning is really about us making different choices, right? Making different choices over the next four weeks. First one this morning is really about um, who you're listening to, right? Who are you listening to? I'm not talking about necessarily, you know, on your, on your, uh, your iPad, or I mean, uh, your, I was going to say, uh, what's the name of that device? Uh, iPod. They even have those anymore, but anyway. Uh, not so much what you're listening to uh, as far as your artist, but who are you listening to, right? In other words, where do you go to get your advice? Who is the, who's speaking into your life? the most, right? And is that is the dominant voice in your life the Word of God? Okay, that's what I want to talk about this morning. The next week, I want to talk about giving. I, I would say, I, I, you know, I can't speak for every last person in this room, um, but there are many of us, uh, you know, uh, good church-going people here even at Browncroft who are robbing God uh, financially, and we are becoming ever more captivated by a consumerist culture um, that is not delivering on its promises, but we're spending more and more of our money uh, in not being satisfied. So I want to talk about giving as an act of discipleship. Some of us are too busy to give. Then I want to talk about, and Pete mentioned this and Josh perhaps did next door, uh, about too busy to share. You know, we've been given something, you know, a deposit of faith. You know, I, for me, it was 35 years ago, and, it, and it's a lifelong journey. But God gave me something. It's precious. You know, uh, 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 the, 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 um, the, the precious jewel that was found, you know, in, in, in Jesus used that parable, that it was found in the earth, that a man sells everything he has for. He's talking about what you've been given, what I've been given in Christ. And what God gave us, we're supposed to be sharing it with other people, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you are responsible or that I'm responsible to reach every you know, non-Christian person in Rochester or on my street or that we are responsible as a church to reach the world. We're not. We're part of the collective church that's called to reach the world, but all of us are called to reach one, right? To reach one person in every season in our life. And most of us, certainly this is true for me, you don't have to go beyond the people that are already in your life. We need to get intentional, right? We've been too busy uh, to share what's the most important thing that you have that the people around you need. And last uh, of all, on the last Sunday of this month, I want to talk about serving. I just had a great conversation with a guy, I won't mention his name, but he's been in our church for many years. And he didn't even know where I was going with this series. And he said, you know, 
um, I'm, in a, I'm not doing anything here. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Even though he was mentioning, and he, and he said, you know, I've done this, that, and the other thing over the course of many years, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not serving. I don't own anything. And I said, well, it needs to change, right? That's how you express your discipleship. It's not a nice thing to do. It's part of what it means to experience um, and to flush out uh, the gospel is to serve. And if we're going to open up that room and this room, we, we do that with the hope that we're going to reach more people. We can't do that. It's not a, this isn't my church. Right? It's not the staff's church. It's your church. And it's an opportunity for us. Some of us have been too busy to serve, and now's the time. So that's what we want to talk about this uh, series, the month of June. And this morning's message is titled, Too Busy Not to Listen. Too busy not to listen. Familiar verse of scripture. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, familiar to many of us anyway, the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, short story, but it packs a punch. Follow along as I read Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Right? You're, give, you have that, she had the kind of relationship you could tell Jesus what she wanted to do. Right? Uh, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Too busy not to listen. Don't let the size of this passage fool you. Jesus uh, doesn't need a lot of space to say uh, something important. And here's the essence of what he's going to say, my first point. The life that you have is the life that you've chosen, okay? I don't think that it's any mistake that this short passage, is why is it in the Bible, that these two women who make up the passage are sisters. They're from the same home. Now, they're not the same person, of course, any more than I'm the same person as my brother or you're the same person as your brother or sister, right? They're not the same person, but I'm, I'm confident, I think I can go on a limb to say, they, they, one, one of them didn't have a single parent household and the other one didn't have two parents. They're from the same house. One of them probably didn't go to a private school and one didn't probably go to a public school. They were from the same house and we know this about Mary and Martha in Lazarus, their brother, who's not mentioned in this passage, that they were very close friends of Jesus. In fact, some would say, I, I would agree, that if you read the New Testament, they're the closest personal friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they lived in Bethany, they're the closest personal friends of the Lord Jesus as far as we know, right? Even closer than the disciples. A whole chapter and a half in the book of John's gospel is dedicated just to their relationship. It's pretty significant. That's not true of even the apostles, okay? They're pretty significant. But that being said, there's a very different response to Jesus, right? They both loved him. They both had them as a part of their life. But what you're seeing in this passage is even though they grew up in the same house, they made different choices. That's how this passage ends. She says, Jesus, I want you to do something different. And Jesus graciously and kindly says, I'm not going to do that. Mary has circled this word chosen what is better, right? She made a choice that you didn't make, right? That I didn't make, maybe. And it's the better choice, and that's what Jesus wants to encourage in this passage. Says, Mary, you're distracted by many things, right? Not necessarily, I doubt Mary, you know, was distracted by, you know, um, 
marijuana, or you know, Mary was distracted by uh, you know internet pornography. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. But I don't think that's what she's talking about. You're distracted by many things that may be good things. Maybe even preparing for this dinner. Maybe your job. Maybe your family. These are good things, but you've turned them into needs, and they're not really necessary. And you're over a focus on these things. You've turned things that aren't needs into needs. You've been so worried about things that you've crowded me out of your life, right? Not all things are necessary. She not only misjudges his priorities, Jesus, the man that she loves and cares so much, Lord, ask your sister to, don't you care that my sister has not left me to do the work of the, myself? I think the implication of that question is, the, the answer is that Jesus is going to say yes, right? She's saying, Lord, shouldn't she help me? She's hoping Jesus is going to say yes, but he doesn't. She's not only misjudged his priorities, she's, she's misunderstood uh, or, or, or got wrong his, his concern for her, right? He's just th- she thinks Jesus doesn't love her. Lord, don't you care about me? Well, he does care about her. But Jesus wants to say, listen, Mary's made a better decision. So w- what's the implication of Jesus' final words here? You know, uh, Mary's chosen what's better. You have to decide, well, what is really the message here? Well, either Jesus is demanding too much of you or me if I'm not living the quality of life that God wants me to live. Either he's demanding too much of you or me. I think the church is far more Martha's than Mary's. Or you're worried about things. I'm worried about things that you shouldn't be worried about. Right? There are things that, you've, that, you, you, that are just sort of things that you might do, you might need to do, that are nice to do, that you've turned those into things that you think are needs. Right, And, and, and the, the, the problem isn't that God's demanding too much of you. God isn't giving you too much to handle. The problem is you. The problem is me. Right, If you're not hearing from God today or in your life, it's because there's only one reason. Right? The life that you have is the life that you've chosen. It's because God's at the margin of your life where you put him. Right? That's the lesson of this passage. And my challenge to me and to you in this message is stop making excuses about how you spend your time. Stop focusing on what other people are doing or not doing. That's what Martha's doing. Well, Lord, what about my sister? Tell her she's not, look what she's doing. Right? Many of us, are focused on what other people are doing. That's what's capturing our attention. And Jesus says, don't worry about what she's doing. Remember at the end of John's gospel, when Peter gets anxious, if you know that story, he goes, well, what about him? And Jesus says, don't worry about him. Follow me, All right? That's what Jesus is saying here. It's what I'm saying to you. Stop make, make, you know, making excuses for how you spend your time. Stop focusing on others and make better choices. I would suggest to you that Mary also lived in the real world, right? She lived in the real world just like her sister did, but my guess is she didn't spend a whole lot of time watching television, right? She didn't spend a whole lot of time surfing the internet. She wasn't focused, overly focused on what other people were doing. She understood something that her sister didn't. She understood what a real need was, right? And she said, I'm going to position myself to meet my greatest need, And my need right now is not those secondary and tertiary things. I don't really care what's on the headline of the news. I don't need to hear the, you know, X or Y story for the 12th time. That's not important right now. Mary, you're distracted about many things. You're you're worried and upset. Put in the word anxious about many things. But those aren't things I've given to you. 
You need to change what you're worried about. You need to make a different choice. I, I watched, some of you may have watched the, um, I think I mentioned this in a different sermon, David Letterman's uh, um, show on Netflix, and he's doing these interviews. And if, you, if, if those of you who even know David Letterman, I know he's a, from another generation, but a famous uh, a talk show host before, you know, uh, Conan and, and uh, who's the guy? Who's the other famous guy? Um, Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel, just so you know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, uh, there was a time when the guy named David Letterman did it. But, and, but you know what? It's so interesting listening to him. He's probably, in, I think he's in his 70s now, and he's like a whole different person. I mean, just, it's, it's like he woke up, and, and, and he's saying things, and he's caring about things. It's almost like he's a priest all of a sudden. It's really interesting. But he said this. He was in a conversation in one of his... Um, interviews, and the guy was asking him about his own life. And this is what David Letterman said. He said, all I ever really cared about when I was young was being on TV to the exclusion of everything else that I now realize is actually life, right? He had a kid in his late 50s. All I really cared about when I was young was being on TV, my career, to the exclusion of everything else that I now realize, right? 72 years old is actually life. Now, that's sad when David Letterman says it. I think it's a lot sadder when you or I say it, right? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, right? Martha was frustrated because God wasn't giving her what she wanted, right? How many of you are saying, God, when are you going to give me what I need, right? Lord, don't you care about me? This is what I need right now. Tell my sister, give me this, give me that. I think a lot of us in this room our experience a level of emptiness and frustration because we don't have what we wanted. And I would suggest to you, it's not that God isn't kind, it's not that God isn't loving, it's because you're asking for things that you don't really need, right? That's what Jesus is saying. There's only one thing that's needed. Do you know what it is? Do I know what it is, right? And I think God is trying to drive you and drive me there. I read recently um, a blog post from a writer that I admire, and I'm going to use... Um, the title of that blog post for my second point, which is this, beware of the Instagram Bible, okay? Now, I'm not knocking Instagram. I use Instagram, uh, and uh, that's not my point. But what do I mean by that? I mean this, when you think about it, just follow me for a minute. Are you listening to God? I think many of us listen very selectively to God. And when I think of Instagram, just as an illustration, what, what do we use Instagram for, for the most part? We use it, not knocking it, it's not wrong, to post positive things, to post encouraging things, life-affirming things. And I hope that you go to the Bible to find positive and encouraging things because it's full of them, like some quick examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, Love is patient, kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, right? Great verse. Great thing to encourage people to do. How about Proverbs 23, 18? There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. That's great. I go to the Bible for that. How about this great one, Joshua 1, 9? How many times have you seen this? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I hope you come to the Word of God to find those promises. But listen, guys, if you want to grow, you need to go further. We need, to come to the, we need to have a Bible that doesn't just comfort, but convicts. That doesn't just warm, but it warns. That doesn't just promise, but that it prompts you to live a different kind of life, right? Are you, that's, what, that's the difference between me. Martha listened to the word of God. Martha loved Jesus, and it was her home that she had been invited into. But Martha was distracted, right? 
and, and she was anxious about many things, and the Word of God was not boring itself down into her heart and into her life. How about you? How about me? How about First uh, Corinthians, or excuse me, Matthew nineteen twenty one? Jesus answered, "If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me." All right, that's in the Bible too. All right. Or, or am I, do I have that kind of relationship with my money? Do I care about the poor? Do I care about the work of God? Or am I just, you know, kind of a, a sheep just listening to the culture's, uh, the consumerist culture and throwing my money in ways where it doesn't need to go, right? This is in the Bible too. How about 1 Corinthians 5? I doubt you've seen this one on a post. Hand this man over to Satan. I don't know. For the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit might be saved on the day of the Lord. Now, the context of this verse is a guy who was having an inappropriate sexual relationship with his father's wife, okay, his stepmother. Serious business. And you say, wow, Satan, this is, is that real? Is it, that's, is that, is that, that seems, you know, medieval and ancient. And well, uh, maybe so, except for those of you who've experienced on the wrong set of an infidelity in this room, you think this verse is a lot to say, don't you? Okay. Are we coming to the word of God just to comfort or are we coming to, to, to be convicted? I promise you, you haven't seen this one on a post. Judges 19.29. When he reached home, he took a knife and cut up his concubine limb by limb into 12 parts and sent them into all the areas of Israel. Right? Raise your hand if you ever even saw that verse before, Okay. Now you say, well, that's ridiculous, uh, Pastor. Why is that verse even in the Bible? I'm not suggesting, by the way, that you post that kind of verse, okay? <laughs> what I'm saying is this, though. It's an extreme example to make a point, that the promises of the Bible are not only prescriptive, there's a hope and a future for you, God loves you, they're descriptive. They tell you who you are, right? They warn you. They bring about conviction. They want to prompt you. And what I'm saying here is, listen, when I say beware of the Instagram Bible, it's, it's a clever way of simply saying, beware of selectively listening to the word of God, okay? Mary was lived in the real world. I believe Mary had an iPhone. Mary had a television. But it wasn't on the same level of importance to what she knew was the most important need in her life, which was listening to God. That's what I'm saying. There's a story, by the way, that... Um, precedes the story of Mary and Martha. It's a famous story that many of you know. Let me summarize it for you, but they go together. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Now, raise your hand if you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. I don't need to retell it. But they go together, and, and, and most of us know the story of the Good Samaritan from the situation. We could tell it. Even if you've never been to church in your life, you know it's about a guy who's, 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 who's almost dying. He's laying in the road, and the religious people pass him by. Jesus is making sort of a point, sort of a, you know, a, 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 a little elbow to, this, to this, this man, this expert in the law. The religious people pass him by, and the Samaritan who in that culture was sort of the, you know, the person who is a second-class citizen, who is, you know, people didn't like if you were Jewish. He actually does the right thing. So Jesus is making a point. But what, we, what sometimes we miss is that's the parable. Who is this parable told to? And it's told to this man who was a religious scholar. He was, a, he, was a, he was an expert in the law, which means an expert in the Bible. And this man comes to Jesus and he says, Master, I have a question for you. This is how the parable starts. And he says, you know, it's almost like someone who, who already knows the answer because he's a Bible scholar, but he's, he's engaging Jesus. And he says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do? 
And Jesus says, I love this. This is the question you all need to ask yourself. He says, how do you read it, right? How do you read it? In other words, what do you think the answer is? You're an expert in the law. And the guy gives the best answer he could possibly give. He shows that he understands his word, the Bible, and he gives the, what we call the great Shema of Israel, which is the, um, the, 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 the verse that had the most, um, the most summarized version of the Jewish faith in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he says, Good, I'll tell you the answer to your question, Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm sure he said it with confidence. And, and Jesus said, you have answered rightly. Now go and do likewise, and you'll be fine. He should have left things right there, right? Because then G he said this. Well, I have another question for you, Jesus. He said, who is my neighbor? Was, How do I need to live this out? But then the Bible says this in the parenthetical note, it says, but he asked them, he wanted to justify himself, right? He wanted to justify his behavior, so he wanted to understand who his neighbor was. In other words, he came to the Bible to support his point of view, not to challenge his point of view, right? And that's where we come to the story of Mary and Martha, right? Do you come to the Bible to support your point of view, to support your political point of view? Or do you come to the Bible and say, listen, Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet, which is submitting to herself through authority. Say, listen, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do with my money? What do you want me to do with my, um, with, with my influence? What do you want me to do with it? You've given it to me. I'm here to serve your purposes, not my own, right? That's the difference between Mary and Martha and many of us. She chose to sit at Jesus' feet because it was the place of authority. That's what it means to sit at somebody's feet. And that authority is a contact with God that gives us the power, listen to this, that enables us to live the life that we most want, right? We live the life that we most want. Look at this one verse, Deuteronomy 8. Think about the word of God. Think about, you know, uh, you, the life you live is the life you've chosen. And are you selectively listening to the word of God? Am I select? This is, this is an old verse, but it's every bit as relevant today as it was then, and it tells you about this issue that we're talking about, how you engage the Word of God. Be careful, this is Moses, to follow the, every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised to give you. Saying, listen, your relationship with the commands of God, the Scriptures, has everything to do with your ability to live. That's what he's saying. Next verse. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Now pay attention to this last verse. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, watch this, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth. That's a poetic way of saying, listen, do you understand how you are made? Yes, you need food. Yes, you need air. Yes, you need sleep. Yes, you need human community. But you need the word of God. Man does not live by bread, that is, the things of this uh, basic sustenance alone, but by the words of God. See, Mary understood that right? She wasn't trying to show off. She wasn't trying to be pious. She understood how she was made. Do you, right? I think many of us, even good church-going Marthas, right? We're in the church. You might be serving in this church, but if you're honest, you're distracted by many things. 
truth, right? You, you, you live with a, with, with, a, with a hum of anxiety in your life and you don't have the peace that the Bible promises. You don't have the power that the Bible promises. You haven't really gotten in touch with my last point, right? The life that God wants you. The life that you want is the life that you need, right? This is really what I think Jesus is saying. The life that you want, see, some of us don't believe that. That is, the life that you need, that is, you're getting it from somewhere else. See, these sisters are, con- are contrasted, not so much in what they're doing. Yes, one of them's busy working in the kitchen, so to speak, and one of them is just sitting down quietly listening to Jesus. But the contrast is not so much in what they're doing, right? Is how they understand their relationship with God, right? The life that you long for, the life that I long for. It's built in, it's God put it in you. That's why I can say this with some authority. The life that you long for, the life that I long for, listen closely. Some, half of you won't believe this. It cannot be found in the things of this world. Okay? Now that sounds like a nice, let's post that on Instagram, right? <laughs> but, but you know what? It's true. The life that you long for. I'm not saying, you know, you, this is nice and that is nice and this is a nice experience. I'm not talking, I mean that you truly long for. A place where the anxiety is gone, where there's true peace, there's true sense of satisfaction. The, the, the life that you long for is not found, not only in drugs and alcohol, it's not found in a family. It's not found in a successful career, as David Letterman, right? It's only found the one thing that you need. That's what Jesus said, Martha, Martha, right? You're distracted. You're worried about many things. But let me tell you something, Martha. He doesn't even get into what the things are. He's saying, listen, you need to readjust your priorities. One thing is, necess- one thing is truly needful. And until you make that decision and you remake it every day, nothing in life is going to taste good. Eternal life, by the way. You've heard those terms, right? Eternal life. Eternal life is not a time word, by the way, right? When, when the Jesus uses the word eternal life, he's not talking about what happens the day you die. Eternal life is a quality of life. Jesus had eternal life when he walked the earth. He, he, he rarely was thrown. He rarely was anxious. He, he rarely felt confused. He always seemed to handle things um, with grace and, and, and respect. That's what eternal life is. It's a quality of life that cannot be obtained. It can not, you can't strive for it. It's only received. That's the message of this passage. There's only one thing that you truly need, right? There's things that I want, but there's only one thing that you truly need, and that is Jesus. And the essence of this passage is not become a monk. It's not quit your job. It's not stop playing tennis. That's not the, the essence of the passage. Is you need to have um, on the list of what is most needed in life, it needs to be Jesus Christ and your relationship with him. And many of us are distracted by things that we've turned into needs, right? And, and they're, they're every bit as important. And we, we would never say this out loud, but see, God is really in the margins of your life. And that's why you're anxious. That's why you or I uh, feel um, uneasy in my relationship with God. Our chief priority is to learn, takes time, how to live through him. Right? That's the promise of the New Testament.